Welcome to Wealth Made Simple with Shaz, where you'll learn how to master your money through business, property, and tax-saving strategies. Your host has collectively helped his clients make tens of millions of pounds in additional profits through these strategic approaches to business. Introducing Shaz Nawaz, an award-winning chartered accountant, property tax expert, entrepreneur, and property investor. Good evening, all. Quite often, I get asked by people what type of type of costs they should uh, factor in when they're buying property. Now, kind of costs I, I break down into two different forms. One is the time that you spend, because that's obviously a cost, because you could you could be doing something else uh, rather than doing uh, something on property, and money, which is obviously a cash flow issue in terms of how much cash you're paying out uh, to have things done. So when you're looking to buy a property. Uh, there are a certain amount of upfront costs that you'll have to expend. And I'm just going to run you through some of those. And uh, if you're joining me uh, live today, feel free to ask questions or share your own input in terms of what costs you've encountered that I haven't covered, because this by no means is an exhaustive list. That's not the aim, it's just to share some of the main ones. Uh, and it'd be good to have your input. So the first one, which is mainly a time cost, is research. And what I find is people who end up doing deals which don't work out too well more often than not is the research uh, which wasn't uh, extensive enough for them to actually fully appraise a deal now this could be anything from a flip to a much bigger deal and of course as you do bigger deals whether you're buying commercial property to do commercial conversions or you're buying land to, to build uh, houses flats apartments uh, the bigger the deal the more you need to do in terms of appraisal and if there are build costs involved then obviously you need a, a much more detailed appraisal and uh, the assistance usually of a quantity surveyor. But make sure you do your research and it's time well spent. Whether you're looking at the marketplace, the area, the tenants, the cost involved with the refurbishing the property, how much income is coming in, what it's going to cost you in terms of mortgage fees, the impact of Section 24, all of those things require research um, and make sure you don't skimp on that because skimping on research means you might miss off something later on which will cause you massive problems moving on from that the second thing which is very important especially if you're new to property by the way is to make sure uh, that you have a good understanding of the property or of a property and if you don't uh, then uh, use the services of a building surveyor get them to go around the property look at it for you because with their experience they'll pick up things you haven't now there are instances and cases by the way where people say i've I, I went to a building surveyor there's certain things that they, they didn't pick up well that depends on your engagement with them and what you ask them to look out for so uh, when you engage them i'll just tell them to look for everything uh, and depending again on the size of the property you might need to have a structural surveyor especially if you're buying old properties or if you're looking to do a lot of development work uh, then you want to make sure structurally it's a sound property and uh, a building surveyor will charge you between 500 to a thousand pounds depending on the type of property you're buying obviously if it's a really big property like let's say a 10 15,000 square foot building it'll cost you more than that i'm just talking about a two to four bedroom house or a small small commercial property and as you get more experienced you won't really need a building surveyor unless you're buying a really big property because you'll know what to look out for but that comes through experience but if you're new i'd say 500 to a thousand pounds is money well spent using a building surveyor once you've done that, you're looking to obtain a, a mortgage, you'll need to make sure you've got money to pay for a 
valuation or a survey, uh, and that's anywhere from say 250 to 300 quid upwards, depending on the size of the property and uh, uh, which lender you go with. Uh, so make sure obviously you've accounted for that. You will not get a mortgage without a valuation. The property doesn't value up, then you have a challenge. You either go back to the seller and say the property isn't worth what I'm paying for, so reduce the price or I'm out. Uh, and uh, the, that depends on how enthusiastic you are of, about buying the property and how flexible the seller is and how motivated they are to sell the property. Uh, so I have a number of in, uh, uh, instances where for myself or my clients, the property hasn't valued up. We've gone back to the seller, said the property isn't worth what it's worth. Uh, on a small number of occasions, uh, the seller said, not interested, buy it at the price agreed or you can't have it. In the majority of cases, uh, the seller negotiates because you say, well, if I don't buy it, somebody else buys it. They're going to use a similar surveyor. It's going to be a similar outcome. Not always guaranteed, by the way, because different values put a different price uh, or value on a property. But more likely, it'll be in the same ballpark. So you're going to end up in the same situation. So you're going to have to be flexible anyway. So why waste another two or three months trying to find a new buyer? Let's do, do a deal. But you'll have to pay for the valuation costs. If you, give it, if you go to a high street bank, uh, then you won't have any fees to pay in terms of broker fees. But if you use a mortgage broker, remember, most of them are going to charge you a fee. Some don't because they just rely on a proc fee. Uh, but uh, quite a few mortgage brokers uh, charge you a uh, commission or a fee as well. Because the proc fee is pretty low. So unless it's a, it's a big deal, uh, they'll want, obviously, to make enough money for the time they spend on the file. Alongside that, uh, depending on which lender you go with, you'll have arrangement fees, which you can add to the loan. But still, you're paying it over a number of years. So factor that in. The big one, which is really important, obviously, is stamp duty land tax. So depending on if it's your first property or second or additional property, you, uh, you might have to pay the additional 3% SDLT. Uh, and so work out uh, how much stamp duty land tax you have to pay, because that's going to have to be payable on completion. Alongside that, if you're buying two or more properties, then make sure you, you consider uh, multiple dwellings relief. And if you're buying six or more properties, then work out whether uh, standard SDLT rates, multiple dwellings relief, or non-residential rates uh, from those three, which one works best. And with SDLT, you can choose the one that, that gives you the lowest amount that you need to pay, but you need to know exactly what it is. If you're buying a house with a granny annex as a separate entrance, as its own kitchen, bathroom, living facilities, uh, then you could qualify for multiple dwellings relief, which means you'll reduce how much stamp duty land tax you pay. So be aware of that. Uh, and if that applies, make sure you see somebody who knows how SDLT works. Uh, if you're buying a property which isn't habitable and by ha or, or is uninhabitable, I'm not talking about it doesn't have a have a kitchen uh, because that's a mortgage thing. In terms of if it's let's say got asbestos or the floorboards are, are ripped up, the roof is missing, the pipe works uh, all over the place, the electrics uh, aren't working properly. The property can't uh, be occupied straight away and doesn't qualify as being habitable, uh, then you could get away with paying a non-residential rate of SDLT. So uh, again, make sure you do your research. If you have paid the SDLT, by the way, uh, then you can uh, go back to HMRC and get a refund within 12 months of the date of filing of the SDLT return. Uh, so all is not lost if you've already paid it uh, because we have quite a few clients who come back to us late, well, not clients, but People who are introduced to us through clients will come back to us or, or are introduced to us, sorry, 
uh, and say, I've paid SDLT, can I now claim a refund because we believe our property may be uninhabitable. And the important thing there, by the way, is to make sure you take photos because if you bought a property in, uh, six months after buying it, you've probably changed it around, you fixed it up. So how do we prove to HMRC of the, the state of the property when you bought it? Well, if you have a building surveyor's report, that helps. If you've taken photographs or made videos, that helps. So you need to have some kind of evidence in order for us to be able to demonstrate uh, exactly what the property condition was when you bought it. MBA 007, thank you for joining us, my friend. And you have a question, which is, I've heard some lender will fund the SDLT. Is that something you have come across? So I've never actually, uh, MBA 007, uh, ever had uh, a uh, lender fund the SDLT. But it depends, I guess, which uh, lender you go to. If you go to some of the high street ones, uh, I doubt they'll be willing to uh, fund the SDLT. If you go to some of the other specialist ones who are non-high street, where you pay slightly higher rates, uh, then they will be willing to fund the SDLT. They'll obviously also fund the VAT for you. And depending on the type of development you're doing, uh, some will obviously roll up the interest, so you pay it all at the end. So it, it depends on the type of lender you go to. So the deal that we've done on Bicker, uh, the lender uh, has been very flexible in terms of uh, funding quite a few of the costs alongside the actual development costs. Uh, so we're going to pay all that at the end. And that means you pay slightly higher interest, MBA 007, uh, but it helps us from a cash flow point of view where we don't have to inject as much money as we would do in that particular deal, which means we can use those funds for other purposes. And for me, uh, basically, that means I can do a second or additional deal. Uh, number six for you is, uh, and if you've got a follow-up question, MBA 007, by the way, feel free to type it in. Number six is uh, you'll, you'll need insurance. Uh, and obviously, depending on the type of property you've got, you're, you might want to cover uh, if uh, rent default insurance, damage caused by tenants, you might need public liability insurance. If you're actually uh, carrying up the contractual uh, work as well, you'll need all risk, uh, contractors, all risk insurance. Uh, they'll also then want you to have professional indemnity insurance. So you've got to make sure you've got all the different insurances covered, especially if you're, going, if you're borrowing money from a lender, because what usually happens is their solicitor uh, will probably, at, at the 11th hour, can I see some of your insurance documentation and they'll ask for uh, insurance and you've got to make sure you've got adequate cover. Uh, so don't always go for the lowest amount of cover. Uh, get the cover which fits in line with the size of your project. Uh, so if, if you've got, let's say, a 5 million build uh, cost, don't get cover for 2 million pounds. It's not going to work. The lender will ask you through their solicitor to go back and change the insurance. The problem you'll have, and I've seen clients come across this problem, is once they've got the insurance, they go back to the insurance company and say, I've got two million pound cover. I now need five million pound cover. First year of policy. Usually, most insurance companies will not increase it. Some will, most won't, which means you're stuck. So you either pay for a new policy with somebody else, so you're paying twice for the same thing, or you've got to wait for the year to finish and then obviously increase the policy. But you can't do that if you've got a lender because the lender's not going to allow you to complete the deal and draw down on the facility. Number seven, which is very important, is legal fees. And obviously these vary depending on who you use, anything from 500 pounds upwards uh, to going into running into thousands and tens of thousands. So account for those in your calculations. You'll have to pay the, the uh, sister's fees on completion. And just to link this with, with uh, UMBA, there are some lenders who will cover your legal costs for you. Uh, so again, 
but there's this quid pro quo that the rates might be higher uh, or then the fixed uh, rate element might not be as long as uh, how much you want it to be. So again, it's a compromise in terms of what you're looking to do. Once you've bought the property, uh, if you're giving it to an agent, you'll have to factor in obviously management costs for how much they're going to charge you. On top of that, obviously factor in some form of voids. Everybody has voids unless you've got guaranteed rent, which I have got on one of my developments in Boston. If you haven't got guaranteed rent, you've got voids unless you've got the adequate insurance to cover that. Uh, if you have a, a limited company, you'll obviously have accountancy fees and uh, compliance fees for a limited company. If you're buying it in your own name or your sole trader, the cost will be lower. Again, be aware of those. Factor in how much tax you're going to have to pay depending on if you're a limited company, sole trader, partnership. Uh, so make sure you incorporate that and don't spend all the money because then you're going to be running around, especially if you file your tax return last minute uh, on the 31st of January, uh, trying to find enough cash to pay for the tax. So I always say keep a separate account for your taxes. And if you're back registered, stick your VAT in there, your PAYE in there, uh, your, all your taxes in there. Every month is just transfer them and just think this money is ring fenced. I'm not going to use this. This is to pay my taxes. So it never kind of becomes as painful as it does for some people because they've spent the money. Alongside that, obviously, you'll have repairs and maintenance. So have some kind of uh, fund for that or make sure you keep some of the cash in there because properties will need repairing. They will need maintaining. So you want to have cash there. If you're buying through an agent or you're using a deal sourcer, you'll have to obviously pay their fees if you are selling. If you are buying and you use a deal sourcer, the deal sourcer will charge you a fee. Uh, so be aware of that. And then lastly, obviously, depending on uh, whether you're keeping or selling the properties, you have to pay for gas safety, health and safety. You may have to pay for selective licensing and other regulatory costs. So make sure you bear those in mind. Now, those of you who are experienced will probably be aware of all these costs, but somebody who is new to property or hasn't got any, any properties yet may not be fully aware. So make sure you account for all these uh, costs because I can't share with you the number of times I come across people who think I'm buying a property for £200,000, I need a 25% uh, deposit, so I've got £50,000, that's going to see me through. And when all the other costs come through for, in terms of SDLT, legal fees, valuation fees, broker's fees, they soon realize, for example, let's just say they need an extra 10 grand. Well, lo and behold, they haven't got the 10 grand and then they struggle, rummage around on their credit cards, try and get a personal loan, try and borrow, borrow money from family and friends and just make the whole thing more complicated and uh, difficult. So make sure you have all those figures or the cash available to you and always kind of spend and invest within your means. Don't stretch yourself too much because when if things go wrong and you overstretch, you're going to have problems. So we haven't got any more questions. Thank you very much for joining me. And I'll see you next week uh, at some point during the week because I, I don't do these fixes because people have asked me to fluctuate different lives on different days. But until next week, take good care of yourself. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Wealth Made Simple. You can follow and contact Shaz on the Facebook pages Entrust Property Tax and The Profits Wizard. You can also find Shaz on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Instagram. Alternatively, email him at shaz at aa-accountants.co.uk. Build your wealth by mastering money.